Megan Hicks of I Run Far, and I'm with Jim Walmsley. It's a couple days before the 2018 Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. Good morning, it's nice and early. Yeah, I think uh, we were just talking, this is our earliest interview, most likely. <laughs> Are you a sleep-inner? You've already been up and run, though, today. Yeah, I can get up and run and do that, but for the most part, I sleep in and don't fight it off. Uh, <laughs> I usually just accept it. And here, they have blinds on a lot of the windows that are like just wooden shutters yep. and it gets dark so I can just sleep all day. It's like the Euro version of like the blackout shades. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think it's another level though. <laughs> Step up. Yeah. Okay, the last time we talked to you was a day after the Western States 100. The uh, course record and your win there was probably just like at the surface of sinking in. A couple yeah. months have gone by. What's in your head about that day now? Um. I think I just tried to move on from it pretty quickly. Uh, basically, my transition to get out and start training for this race was pretty immediate. Mm. So for me, I, I don't really feel like I dwelled on it a whole lot. It's just on to the next race and on to the next goal, and that's UTMB right now. So as far as Western States, it, I don't know. I'll reflect on it in a couple years or something. Is that right? So you didn't like let yourself sit in a camp chair or couch and just well, sit I was there in and... a camp chair for a lot or a couch, <laughs> but I mean, even like it's been a lot busier probably than usual because there's been a lot of either interviews talking about states or talking about UTMB like in between. So if someone didn't want to talk about one of them, they want to talk about the other one. <laughs> and so it's just been busy with that, but also, yeah, escaping the self-service and uh Kind of getting the solitude time in the mountains to prepare for this is like its own little break and you don't necessarily need to reflect on western states but i i kind of got some away time and some time to just just train so let's talk about your san juan mountains yeah. monk ism uh we're actually living just we were living a couple miles apart from yeah. each other me in a little apartment in silverton and you in a camp out on the river yeah. but I never saw you once. Well we call it a camp but it was definitely pretty uh, you'd say glamping uh, okay. but but pretty glamorous. <laughs> I mean you got to find a good spot where you can hide for that long otherwise they'll kick you out because you're, <laughs> you you're not that, allowed to stay that long. The authorities. <laughs> yeah but I oh, think I think even like the forest us. service did come by when they still were just pulling the fire ban when we mm. first got there because the nights were really cold when the fire ban was going on. But uh, they came down and they checked things out and they're like, oh, this is sweet. You have a good camp. Because uh, we had tarps and they're tied like all these different ways. And like uh, we had them tied to the trees really like responsibly uh, where there wasn't any pressure on like the tree bark or anything. Like we'd have, it, there was some thought into it mm. and a lot of knots. And it looked pretty cool and kept us pretty dry. dry yeah which is important but um more or less i was just trying to keep my head down and train a lot uh uploaded my runs most days so <laughs> i'd go into cell like i i think i was a couple miles away from cell service but um yeah it was a good break and nice to kind of get away from that but also when you kind of do pick up cell service it's like oh i got to get on emails and 
and do this or that. But at the same time, it's just as much pressure as you put on yourself. So if like I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, it's like, oh, sorry, I don't Not have self service. <laughs> yeah, it's been, yeah. So you kind of use it to your advantage a little bit sometimes. Let's talk about the training that you did out there. Yeah. I think you upload most of your training to so yeah. to Strava. Yeah, yeah, it's all on Strava. Um, the good, Boy, that the bad, was a lot ugly. of that was a lot of volume. Yeah, it was good. It was mostly volume based, and then definitely like vertical feet per week goals mm. to try to hit. So um, not many blocks, I would say, work out this pretty. I would say generally, when you have a really pretty block you typically overstrained or overreached somewhere in that block but this block felt really good um i mean all things considered like i say i get a lot grumpier when i'm at high mileage <laughs> and uh it's just hard to do all the little things especially like it makes it really easy to sleep in in the morning mm -hmm. in the sand ones because it's just so cold but in your sleeping bag, you, so you, you just wait for that sun to hit. And then once the sun comes out, because uh, we're in a little bit of a valley, once the sun comes out, it's a bit nicer. Um, so let's talk about your training. Almost every run started at 9,000 feet or above. Yeah, well, we were camping over 10,000 feet okay. and over 3,000 meters. Uh, that was for you, Euros. Yeah. So <laughs> well, actually, all my numbers... Um, translate really evenly so I hit my big block was three weeks of 140 miles okay. which is 225k <laughs> and then uh, 50,000 feet of vertical Jeez. with which is 15,000 meters a week per week and then uh, actually I did that three weeks in a row and each week got I took off a little time so I started at like 32 hours 31 hours and 30 hours not on purpose right. but it kind of worked that way so one might say maybe I was getting a little stronger with it but or just maybe more just acclimatized to yeah. the altitude because yeah. there's a big uh, yeah we're in the middle of a soccer game now I think we're literally in the middle of the court the ball will get kicked that way, and there'll be a whole swarm that will go that way, though. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was really good. And like on paper, uh, it's it's probably my prettiest training block because usually you have a like Western states. I had a little quad strain, and mm -hmm. I had to take a down week for that. So like the trend line kind of takes this dip, and you're like you can't get straight back into it. And then usually something comes up, but uh, this one's kind of like. We did it. Like, so it should work out. Um, yeah. Does that instill a little bit of confidence in you? Yeah. It, you definitely take away confidence of kind of hitting the goals that you set out to in your training. Uh, you don't have to really, like, compensate one way or the other in your head. So uh, you can see the work that you've put in when you've hit those numbers. But at the same time, I had the same feeling last year of trans, like, translating from your big volume training block into getting ready for like race sharp fitness. Mm -hmm. um, like I go for a flat run and I said, it's just like revving the engine. Like it's like you have a huge fuel tank that you're never gonna run out of gas, but like just what should be an easy pace, all of a sudden it's like, man, I feel like I'm kind of pressing on yeah. it. But I've also found like that's happened before, it's no problem. And then typically the race day nerves are nerves during the race kind of all of a sudden you just have that extra pop and whatever about a race it just kind of takes care of that 
That seems to be something that neither you nor Zach Miller worry about. Both of you, you know, lived and trained at high yeah. altitude for this, but don't worry about the race day gears. Yeah. Well, I would also say the top end fast gears come really naturally for me for top end fast gears for ultra running. Ultra running. Like it, it's not. <laughs> we are standing like on I'm a doing, track. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I'm doing much workouts to get those gears and that efficiency it's like I've, I've had that in my my past quite a bit so um generally the pop comes right back mm. but uh there's not a whole lot you got to worry about depending on the race if i was doing a shorter race if i was doing a sharper race um i would say you work on like kind of the pointy end of the stick and you, you do more workouts but for a 20 hour ish race um it's mostly volume based and it's going to be mostly the decisions you make throughout the race that's gonna yeah be the result the decisions during the race that lead to the result here yeah. we are at utmb you've been here before this is now familiar territory yeah. for you what's it like being back here as a person who's had the experience of going around the mountain once before yeah. it's a it's a lot different than last year um last year with the whole training block uh, i came out a lot earlier and i was running around the mountain a lot to just learn it and there was such a big learning curve to absorb all of that mm -hmm. and just so just having last year's experience of training for the race and then actually doing the race and then even trying again like kind of one more time later in the year at Diagonal Day Food, like even though that didn't work out great and I had my hiccups at UTMB last year, it's the experience and takeaway and the confidence of knowing that I've done it, it's not the first time, um, kind of goes into having the confidence to run more of my own race this year, no matter where that puts me. I think. In such a long race, you have to focus on uh, your efficiency. So it's not about running faster or slower, but you got to find your efficient pace and kind of stay in that zone because it's so long. If you're not being efficient, you're going to end up paying it back later. So uh, having the confidence to run your own race with that experience is going to, I think, pay a lot of dividends this year. Have you thought about what that actually like mechanically translates to it this race this year for yeah. you? Well, so part of it is um, trying to slow my training down. And like part of why I like uh, the trekking poles and racing or training with them is actually that I feel like I go slower with them. <laughs> but <laughs> so slow you down a I, I feel like I go slower, but my efficiency goes up. So it helps me two ways. It helps temper my pace mm -hmm. a little bit because Otherwise, I might be more likely to run something uphill more tempo-wise, and you pay it back a little more. Downhill running for me is mostly the same, but um, the, the poles kind of get a different rhythm in it, and I think improve efficiency again. Mm. So, And then in the San Juans, I think the San Juans are actually slower mountains because of the altitude. Right. So, But you're getting a lot of, even though it's slower, I think you're getting more bang for your buck. For the training because the breathing's harder mm. um so that's why i really liked last year that's what i wanted to do and i kind of got talked into coming out here a bit earlier because i was basically the only guy trying to compete on the front end of the race that hadn't seen the course Didn't at all so course. it was really important for me to see the course last year this year i think it's i can visualize a lot of the course so um this year was more about just prepping my, my own fitness, where I wanted to be, and that was up at higher elevation and big mountains, and 
uh, kind of doing it more of an old school way, I guess. Mm. I've heard some people talk about, well, if the ra- the weather is good on Friday and Saturday, uh-huh. you're a favorite. If the weather is not good, yeah. you might not be a favorite. But like, let's be honest, you've seen some really crappy weather this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. I think this year started in Spain, just going through a blizzard and multiple <laughs> feet of snow. And it was weird because like each time you go up in the mountain, you get feet of snow and then you come down and get runnable again and then you go up and everybody would just right back together. Mm-hmm. So that became more tactical. Um, here, you're not going to get feet of snow for right. sure. Um, but the, the main thing is making the decisions uh, and the main difference probably this year that I have is... Uh, putting together a better game plan of the outfit or outfits I'm going to change and wear and trying to stay, wear warmer clothes through the night. Uh, keep your hands warm enough so you can keep eating. Yeah, and- yeah. And I think last year I had a good nutrition plan for what I was doing, but I still kind of, when the night got cold, I kind of started spacing out and missing some some nutrition and you get behind and then combined with the cold, it's it's a tricky place to be. So staying warm is definitely one of the keys this year, um, especially like the the point in the race that where things change a lot is kind of right around Grand Col Ferret when you're mm. just dipping into Switzerland. So you got to sunrise is coming. Yeah, sunrise is coming, but the coldest temperatures are also coming uh, as you're descending in there. And yeah, definitely during the whole race, you got to be looking forward to that, looking forward to that, looking forward to that, because if like last year, I think the plan was to try to start moving well there, and uh, basically too many matches were burned before I got there, mm. and it, it yeah it didn't go to how I had it on paper last year. Mm. But we'll see. There, there's one of the most encouraging things about last year's result is just I feel like I can improve the way I race so much. So and then having the confidence of like maybe how Western States did work out, taking that forward into this race, and just knowing like. If I have a really good day, it's just why why not me? Like you, you always got to ask yourself that, and always got to believe that you have a chance with it. And I definitely feel like I've trained and prepared, and especially mentally prepared to try to compete for a win out here. And um, yeah, it's not an easy uh, thing to do, especially like with the guys that are always in this field. I mean, even just the Americans are incredibly stacked at this race. And and then, yeah, you have all the Europeans too. So, Well, to me, you seem a lot more chill and relaxed here in Chamonix this year than yeah. last year. I think the main thing is I actually like committed to having a calendar. <laughs> so I have appointments and, I, and, and it's like I can see it on paper and it's like, all right, I'm not accidentally conflicting appointments or interviews and then like just the schedule actually like really calms things down for me so I can see it on my phone uh, not paper but same thing of like I can see it and uh helps me with my time management while I'm here Mm -hmm. so as the races are bigger and there's more things to do that's where time management skills um (laughs) you need to step out of the box bit and just do that I mean I, I I have a lot of experience with like going to the Air Force Academy or being in the Air Force. So, uh, but I've also had the luxury to kind of throw all that like under the rug for now. But I mean, I still learned a lot while I was there and, uh, maybe, maybe those things are paying off in other ways. Using, using the time management and organizational skills in your own way. Yeah. I mean, it it helps a lot. It, It 
takes the stress down and all of it's stress management so um, whether it's training or racing and dealing with the stress so you gotta you gotta find a way to make it less stressful my last question for you before you go on to your next appointment yeah um it's not like Chamonix is the gelato capital of the world. This is not where gelato was born, but yeah. man, there's like 50 gelato there's places. There's a lot of gelato and there's a lot of pizza. It's a good <laughs> place for me. Uh, I like both of those and I'm a sucker for pistachio gelato actually. Uh, so I definitely am typically trying pistachio and uh, usually mix it in with mint, but there's mint a lot of pistachio. Places. Yeah, I like it. Right. Um, it's pretty good. I, I like when I like. I always put the mint on top of the pistachio, so it kind of melts mint in a bit. Mint first. Yeah. And then mint and pistachio combined. Second. A little bit, mostly pistachio. But that's my go-to. There's a lot of gelato places to try out here, so you kind of can get your own little concoction. <laughs> and your favorite pistachio. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. I mean, I think. What's funny is you go out for gelato at night and you end up running into all the Americans in line in the gelato line. <laughs> Why like, is it us you, you, you don't see them. You're not like you didn't meet up for a run that day. You, you didn't cross paths. And then like all of a sudden you're on like the same like 12 person line for gelato downtown. You're like, oh, you guys know the spot too, huh? <laughs> to get your... It's like com competition for gelato. <laughs> 600 calories of evening sugar. <laughs> I like it. I... I I think my go-to has been three or four scoops. Twaboul. <laughs> yeah, twaboul, s'il vous plaît. All right, Jim. Well, best of luck to you on Friday and Saturday, and we will see you around the mountain. Thanks, man. <laughs>